Learning to love God, ourselves, and others is a lifetime project directed by the Holy Spirit. It does not happen overnight or in a six-week program. Life with God is not intended to offer a journey to complete maturity, but rather we intend to provide a tool that invites participants to honestly and regularly engage in their relationship with God and members of the body in the hope that over time, new habits will form in their lives. This is the beginning of the Life with God book, actually the book for our leaders, our leader training for Life with God. And I wanted to share those words. We're talking about Life with God with uh, seasoned leaders and brand new leaders and leaders to be. First of all, a lot of you know Carol Ann Duffin. Carol Ann, say hi so people can recognize your voice. Hello. That's Carol Ann, and Carol Ann is in the Dallas area. She works with uh, Grafted Life and ESDA, has been with this ministry from the very beginning. And so we're just thrilled that Carol Ann has time in her day and willingness to have this kind of a conversation. And then we're also really happy to welcome uh, a couple guests to the show, um, Jan and Phyllis. Jan Hassler, you're calling in from San Antonio. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everyone. <laughs> hi, Jan. And then Phyllis also is in San Antonio area. How are you doing, Phyllis? Doing great. Good to talk with you and be with you today. We're thrilled. All right. So we have Jan and Phyllis on our conversation today because you have a, a longtime friendship and uh, continuing to uh, grow and build. But we want to get to know uh, more about you and your story, especially as how it relates to life with God and uh, the Grafted Life curriculum that we provide. So here's how we're going to start. Jan and Phyllis, why don't you just start by telling our listeners, how, how did you meet each other? And how long have you been friends? And how has this? How did you begin this journey of friendship? Being in the same town, do you go to the same church, or how did how did you meet? I'll start. Um, Phyllis and I had to text each other. I I texted her earlier today. I said, "How long have we known each other?" I I wasn't really sure, but we're going to go with about eight years. About eight years. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. And where did right you right around eight years? We both were seeing the same spiritual director. Phyllis was, I think, in her training program at the time, and I had this spiritual director, and the spiritual director thought we would like each other and had a lot in common and called each of us asking for permission to connect us. Awesome. Yeah. But we don't go to the same church. So how long have you lived in um, the San Antonio area, Jan? 15 years now. And before that, where did you live? Houston, Texas. I think you have some church planting background, you and your husband. Uh, did you help plant a church in Houston, or was that in San Antonio where you planted? We actually, it was a pretty big deal. We lived in Houston, had roots in Houston. My husband had his own law practice in Houston, and we felt called to help start a startup church in San Antonio. So we packed up and moved to San Antonio, and... Uh, started a plant church from the ground up. Now, have you been involved in spiritual direction uh, this whole time, or when did you find your way to spiritual direction? I actually started going to spiritual direction in the late 1990s. In Houston. So I've been in it a long time uh, at the Cynical Retreat House, a Catholic retreat center in Houston, Texas, and it rocked my world. <laughs> That's 
pretty much all I did with it for a while. But after I was in San Antonio about a year, maybe a, a maybe two years, something like that, I started having these nudges about going to training and started looking into becoming a spiritual director. Mm. So, so even you were done with that program before you met Phyllis. Yes, I was. Okay. All righty. So Phyllis, how about you? San Antonio, has this been home for you your, your whole life or did you move there from somewhere else? How long have you been in San Antonio? So we have a saying in Texas that I wasn't born here, but I got here as fast as I could, okay. uh, which was not true. I dreaded moving here. We were military and had spent a little tour through here in one very hot summer. But as would be uh, when you say never often, God says, well, maybe you might. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we ended up coming here in 1996. So we've been here a good mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Um we moved, both of us are Midwest people, both my husband and I, and our last station was in Dayton, Ohio. So, um, yeah, we came here, and uh, I had never even heard of, dreamed of, thought about being a spiritual director mm. for until probably about uh, 2014. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, at that time, uh, and still am in a different way, my trade is I'm a nurse. Okay. Um, so I worked and did several different things even after we moved here in nursing, running office, uh, teenage psych unit and school nursing. Um, nurses can change around, which is a wonderful thing. But my last job, I really burned out, which has helped me sort of make the bridge. I can come back to that later. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing now, I'm working with nurses in burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started reading Ruth Haley Barton's book about rest mm-hmm. and I couldn't read enough. And one day I flipped over the back of the book and I was like, Oh, she's got this center thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, my daughter was actually working in Chicago and I called their transformation center and said, Hey, would you let me come for a weekend? In hindsight, I realized that's like unheard of. So I actually went to one of their cohorts and then I began the journey seeking to where I could do spiritual direction that would fit mm. sort of where I was, where we lived. And um, after probably a year of a trail through many things, I ended up at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. Okay. Well, I didn't and know that, you were th- you went through the Transforming Center. My wife is actually currently in the Transforming Center right now. So I didn't. Oh, you you just you went to one of the just one weekend. Well, it must have been amazing. But I I loved it, and um, I I really was not. While I would have loved to do that if we didn't live a thousand miles away, and somewhat the culture here is like, okay, so you trained in Chicago. That's nice. Mm. Um, and there's a little bit more of like, what about? what happened to Texas mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. And whether that was, I don't know that that's true or not, but that that's what drew me mm-hmm. to look here. In so the two of you met through your spiritual director and you, you began a friendship. Uh, you found you had some interest in uh, spiritual direction together. You were both part of ESDA. And um, tell me about your, your friendship. I'd like to know, uh, I, I understand, Phyllis, you're a seven on the Enneagram. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, let's not like over, like just 
um, you know, narrowly define this, but um, it sounds like you'd be a fun friend to have. I like and Jan. <laughs> Jan, I don't know what like what number on Enneagram you are, but like Jan, tell us what your favorite thing about your your longtime friendship with Phyllis. Just one or a list, <laughs> a laundry list. <laughs> just 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 give us a you know. Let's not say this is the only thing, but just give us one great part about being Phyllis's friend. She's she's fun and wise at the same time. So she's not boring, heavy wise. She's fun wise. Phyllis, what about Jan? What you know? What do you look forward to and getting together with Jan? What makes your friendship so rich? So us sevens love an adventure uh-huh. <laughs> and Jan is, seems to be up for an adventure. And so we've done a lot of adventurous things. All right. And uh, she also, she has a sense of just uh, wisdom as well. And, and just, she's interesting mm. and, and interested in many things, but we have had some good fun exploring together. And you both are on this uh, particular episode because we're here to talk about Grafted Life's uh, resource called Life with God. And so let's uh, let's start with Jan. You know, what drew you to the Life with God uh, train or, you know, curriculum, small group resource? What drew you to that initially? Hmm. I think initially I was at the very first Grafted Life gathering and I, I would have done anything they offered Mm -hmm. (laughs) it was it was like a um just a refreshing uh refreshing resource that i stumbled on i i absolutely stumbled on it no one told me about it and i was so grateful for it and i had done a couple of the smaller studies and they were offering the training and I kind of thought, well, why not? Uh, it's a tool in my tool belt mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, but at the time, I think uh, I think I would have said my church wasn't ready for such a study. But in, in 2020 hindsight, may, maybe I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I wasn't. It wasn't the right time for me either. But I trained... I th- I think it was about six years ago. It might have been seven years ago. Hmm. I trained pretty a long time ago, but I never offered it till this past spring. And um, so there was a gap in there. But I loved the training and I loved the resource for someday. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. how I looked at it. Yeah. Well, you had a lot of experience, you know, with with launching a church. It sounds like, and and really just, you know, with your role in spiritual direction, you must have thought a lot about, you know, how how do people grow and how what's the church's role in helping them grow? You know, your own experience with the church, and uh, you know, what are what are some of the roadblocks that maybe you you can point out, Jan, that almost make this this invitation to a deeper relationship with God, like uh, less on the forefront of what the church is about and, and like would even cause you to maybe wonder, I don't know if my church is ready for mm-hmm. this yet. You know, what, what is that about, you know, the church and maybe the discipleship culture? Any sense mm-hmm. from you, like 
you know, what you're picking up on? I think people have to be ready or called or I'm not sure what the switch that goes off is for the inner journey. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And life with God um, pretty much forces an inner journey. And I, I, that's what I loved about it because I kind of had a go deeper, go home, had gotten to a place where it was go deeper, go home in terms of what I was willing to even offer anymore. Hmm. And there were books I knew of and things like that, but life with God afforded the scriptural backbone and the going deep and married the two Mm. in a way that I think is just brilliant. Mm. Uh, And I, I just think plus the brilliance of the pre course materials of inviting the potential participants into a discernment process. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just a hard animal to explain. Yeah. (laughs) And, And ah, I I just think I don't know. They were it was just the right time because mm. I have a group now that wants to just keep going and okay. keep going and yeah. keep going. Yeah, tell us about that. So from 2017 till 2022, there was this sense of maybe not yet. Maybe it's a good tool, but not maybe not leading it yet. Or you're looking for the right things, almost kind of move you forward or that sense from the spirit. What was that for you in 2022? That's okay. I I'm ready. I'm ready to actually, you know, invite people into this discernment process. Maybe, maybe part of it was, of course, during a lot of that time I was starting my spiritual direction practice Mm -hmm. and maybe I just got a little more confidence under Mm -hmm. my belt on what it, what it might look like. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and and I was real happy. I'm a little bit more of a one-on-one person than a group person. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will fully own up to there was probably some selfishness in there that I did not want to do a group. I like individual stuff. So that might have filtered in there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I so I was doing my spiritual direction practice and growing and learning. And Phyllis and I, one of the joys we have is doing some retreats, okay. offering retreats together. Wonderful. So I was trying some other adventures. Mm-hmm. And I think <laughs> coming from the church culture and group Bible studies and what they were like, I I think I maybe I was just doing some growing and healing and um resting a little bit and uh then it was time yeah i love it yeah and uh i think you we mentioned before we started recording the the theme for 2022's gathering with esca was was focused around discernment right so it mm-hmm. kind of put us all in this frame of reference of mm-hmm. you know, god what are you calling us to discern together too yeah. so one of the things in your discernment process was you know if i'm going to start this i'm going to reach out to my friend phyllis so Phyllis, you jumped in on Jan's first semester. Tell us about your experience with semester one of Life with God. So we have a good history of adventure together. Uh-huh. And um, I trust Jan and I'm like, oh, okay, why not? You know, um, mm-hmm. 
And I had uh, intentionally, I did a little more exposure at ESCA in the spring, well, when we met in February, and to just listen a little more about what it was about. I, uh, I, I kind of knew, but not, not a lot. And I was intrigued. I think like Jan, uh, the culture in um, many churches, not all, but first of all, I think you have to have a platform in that church. If you're going to start something new, and um, at the time we were going to a mega church, and our my husband and I's platform has been marriage, uh, our ministry called Reengage, which is pretty intense. And so uh, I had, I I don't I just wasn't sure how that was going to look. I knew that there probably would not be wide open arms to uh, the the idea of listening to God and learning was good, but you know, some outside thing. I don't know. But when Jan offered that, I was like, well, yeah, I'd like to try this. And like she said, we'd done some retreats within the church. We'd done an Enneagram and a couple of Advents and Lent. So I, and I knew her pastor and some of the women. So I felt pretty comfortable. And I knew Jan had a, um, a platform in the church. Mm-hmm. And so we, off we went, cranked up and yeah. Mm. This this is Jan again. That's that's a great point. I think that gap in there was also cultivating a platform a little bit. Yeah. It wasn't just me doing my private spiritual direction. Mm-hmm. Um, we had had a pastor change, and while I think he trusted me, he got to know me, and we just kind of knew more about each other. And I I. I know in spiritual direction and life with God, sometimes that's hard to get a platform. And I recognize that I had a full platform now. And mm-hmm. um, so, so there's that. That's big. That is big. You know, you both mentioned wisdom when you're describing each mm-hmm. other. Uh, that's wise. Mm-hmm. I, I heard a pastor one time, I was talking to him. He was a friend of mine from college, so I thought I'd have a really open door. I called him up and was telling him some of uh, my intentions around soul care and caring for you know pastors and, and their hearts and, and their spouses and whatnot. And uh, he just, he, he mentioned, oh, I've got some of those spiritual formation folk in my church. <laughs> and he didn't say it in a good way. <laughs> uh, it, it made me realize, you know, we are evangelists uh, of what we think is good news. And sometimes it does not come off, um, you know, the connection that the, the leader hears a lot of times is, oh, you're telling us we're not doing it good right. enough or doing it right. Or there's some kind of wisdom that you've attained, you know, there's Gnosticism almost like that somehow we need to do what you're doing to, you know, and so there's, there's a lot of potential for doing things um, too fast uh, and not loving, right? So I think the wisdom of recognizing I'm in a season of of discernment and a lot of that might just be God show me how this platform that you you have for me is being built. And it, I think it takes time and that that's a really loving thing to do. Mm. So, yeah. So Phyllis, you did join, it sounds like you joined Jan's group that was primarily through your church, Jan. And so you had some other folks from your church in it as well. Was this just a, just an all female group or was it mixed or? This, this was all female. I offered okay. it to my church, but also some women outside the church showed mm-hmm. interest. Mm-hmm. So 
it was primarily marketed through my church, but it wasn't yeah. exclusive to that at mm-hmm. all. And and I roped Phyllis in to do it with me. <laughs> oh, good. Okay. Yeah. So Phyllis, it sounds like you jumped in. Um, you trusted in your adventurous friend and the timing of it all, the wisdom of it all. And you had an experience where you said, this is really, really good, really powerful. Tell us about how you discerned then, I think I want to be a leader of Life with God groups myself. And what what context are you looking to lead a Life with God group? So as we moved in, and we did it on Zoom, but almost totally, we, we had a couple of meetings, I guess, in person. And um, I really did love how Life with God had written in the scriptural basis, because I think in evangelical mm-hmm. churches and Protestants, they're looking for that. Um, and we learn, you know, as spiritual directors, we begin to take hold of a lot of that and filter that out, you know, as we need it. But uh, this kind of has a nice package of that. And then um, as I met the women, um, I was shocked at how fast they were willing to just jump in and um, be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shocked. So you're not used to seeing that maybe in church <laughs> in typical Bible studies, typical studies you've been a part of. And, and so you saw it pretty quick. Just say more about what, you know, what that was like for you to witness uh, relationships going deep uh, almost so, almost so quickly. Like what was that? What was that like for you uh, as just a follower of Christ for a long time to witness that kind of, uh, um, you know, deeper vulnerability. So, I mean, we see that in spiritual direction mm-hmm. and I've seen it in some recovery groups I've worked with. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, um, what I was surprised was on zoom that these women would just, when we break them up in groups, are they talk about listening and that experience? Uh, I, I was very surprised. And they were very open. And so that allowed us to sort of move with them deeper and really give them a safe place. I think more than anything, a a safe place to share, as well as teaching the other women in the group how to listen to someone's story. I mean, sometimes it's a two-way thing. You know, we don't know what to say or we feel like we have to say a lot, but just helping them learn both of those things. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. What would be some of the fruit you've, you've noticed uh, as a result of these deeper relationships uh, with the women, with each other, and even a deeper relationship with God? What's, what are some of the fruits that you're picking up on in this? Phyllis, why don't you want to share what you witnessed or noticed at the Advent service we did? Well, uh, so let's see. Three of the women, I believe, that were in the group were at the Advent service. And so I did, I mean, a couple of them, like I, because it's so much on Zoom and then to see them in a different real context. But one of the gals I particularly remember was in, uh, an, you know, almost crisis. She would cry through every um, session we had. And particularly as she began to open up. Um, and so when I saw her six months later, And she had also done the second round with Jan. I was like, my goodness, your face has changed. I said, how how are you? And she said, yeah, I'm doing a lot better. And I'm just, um, and I'm sure there are other factors, but 
I said, so how's that second session been? And she goes, it was really helpful to go on and follow up. I just really appreciated more depth and understanding and listening and being listened to. And um, that was really encouraging for me since I had not had contact with her for six months. It was. And healing. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like joy. (laughs) Wow. That's wonderful. Yeah. So you're not, you didn't go through semester two with Jan. There's a reason for that. Uh, You, I believe you, you signed up for training to uh, go through your own training to be a leader. Uh, Tell us about what you think God might be doing uh, in terms of starting your own group. What context are you looking at for that? So there was a little competition there. Um, By the way, the training was great. Carol Ann is, um, she has a group of people, but you feel like she's dialed into you and what you need and sort of like uh, keeping up with kind of your special interests or special needs you might have as a leader, as well as giving resources. And um, I I didn't go in, uh, I think initially a little bit like Jan, we had changed churches. Um, and so I, well, <laughs> sort of interesting COVID influence, the big mega church we went to, we still actually go back and do marriage ministry there, but haven't really worked in the platform of gaining as Jan needed to do in her church and my other one. Mm-hmm. But instead I've been working with nurses in burnout and compassion fatigue. So my hope still is to, uh, to be able to do a group with that group of nurses But just like in a church, there is a trust that has to build. You have to have a plat. There needs to be a platform. Uh, I I won't have any problem offering that material. It's very broad for for people across. uh, I think they need to have some concept of a relationship with God. So maybe not for every person, but that 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 life with God has lots of potential for people in different. Mm walks across their journey with God. So you're looking at starting this with maybe a a cohort of nurses? I would love to do that. Yes. Carol Ann, she mentioned you. Uh, We we could line up tons of people who have gone through training with you, um, who've been in Life with God groups with you, who have been impacted by you at the ESDA gathering, the years of you being at the seat you're you're at right now of uh, connecting with new ESDA spiritual directors, you are amazing and an invaluable resource. And it all started for you through a relationship. It did <laughs> a relationship with the founder mm-hmm. uh, of Grafted Life, Debbie. Yeah, tell us about your relationship. Um, yeah, just give us a little backstory on you getting connected to. This ministry. Well, thank you for that, Adam. That's a lot of compliments. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, you didn't like. I didn't. I could tell you were like kind of little. I don't know if I want to sit here and take any more of this, but uh, <laughs> which is you know one of the reasons we love you so mm, much. Makes but. me a little itchy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Debbie and I were both living in Southern California, and. We didn't know it till we got to know each other, but we both moved to Southern California about the same time. She's about a year and a half younger than me. So just about the same time, we both relocated from where we were growing up 
to Southern California. And, and then later, much later, we were attending the same church in Fullerton. And, um, you know, some, some of the listeners may, may recognize the last name Swindoll. So uh, the church that her father-in-law pastored for a long time, we were both attending that church. And it was interesting. I was thinking about this this morning, and I had forgotten this memory. I saw her um, speak at church at a women's thing. And I remember sitting there thinking, you know, if 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 we were moving in the same circles, we'd probably be friends. But we we didn't know each other. We didn't have the same friends. We didn't cross paths, none of that. And there was just something, I can't really identify what it was other than I just knew that this person I'd be friends with if I was, if I was somewhere or another, we got to know each other. So then I went through an inter, I, we adopted internationally and I was, <clears throat> I was not working at the time. And I thought, well, maybe I should go to a Bible study because women's Bible studies is not really t- historically had not been my thing. But here I am with my days open and I thought, I'll go to a Bible study. And I was doing it a little hesitantly. And I opened up the list of options for Bible studies. And there was her name. I said, I know I'll be okay in that Bible study. Because my background's in recovery. And so, you know, I was part of an Al-Anon group at my church. And it's, a, it's the kind of experience, it's kind of like a bell you can't unring. So you have this amazing transformational um, experience in a group and you kind of, you kind of want that again. And I, for some reason, just knew I would be safe in Debbie's group. So I get in her group, I think it was 1997 and we were in Bible study together. We ended up becoming really good friends. And one day her mother, who was in the group, said to me, you know, Debbie describes you as her best friend to other people, which like shocked me. I felt like that about her, but I had no clue. So from that point on, um, yeah, we just became really knitted together. And then in 2000, so she went through seminary and I lived through all of that with her. She got her master's in spiritual formation and soul care. And I got really intrigued. But what's interesting is the first time she told me her degree and she told me the soul care part, I thought to myself, what in the heaven's name is that? I had no idea. So I learned what that was as she went through seminary. And then in 2007, um, actually it was early 2008 she told me they would be moving to Dallas. Mm. And that was a really hard blow for us both. So she lived here for a couple of years. Um, but there was a good solid year, a couple of years before I moved here, but there was a good solid year as she was discerning, like, what now? Now I'm in Dallas, Lord, and I know you have something, you're going to use this master's degree somewhere or another. And so through that discernment process, and they decided to launch a nonprofit, um, she called me, she and Kurt called me. Well, they, they called me one day and said, can we have a Zoom call with you? Or at that time it was Skype. Can we Skype with you? And I thought, well, that seems like kind of, I sounded kind of serious. So I said, yes. And they invited me into this crazy shenanigans that they were going to start here in Dallas. And so that was a whole discernment process for me and my family. And, um, and ultimately I think it was, I think if I, if I really think about it, we said yes for a lot of the same reasons people say yes to us. I had a relationship that I trusted. I had people that I trusted. 
I had, I knew they had a strong relationship with the Lord so I could trust their discernment process. And we were at a place in our lives where it made sense to do this. And so we got in our vehicle (laughs) and made that treacherous 24 hour drive from California to Texas and just started this adventure uh, with, with Debbie and Kurt. And it, it was, I had no idea what I'd actually signed up for, but all I knew is that God had something big planned. And so found myself in Dallas. As you watched ESDA form and, and you began to see resources take shape and you trusted your friend and everything, everything, this ministry, God was doing through this ministry, you know, what excited you the most about, well, especially about life with God as, as, as that began to germinate and hmm. come together? Hmm. Well, I have to start by going back to a moment in California. Debbie is in seminary and I'm learning what this spiritual direction, soul care thing is through her. And I'm becoming more and more intrigued the more I learn. And we were at what we called our office, which was a local Chinese place. (laughs) And so we were having lunch and she was again telling me another episode of seminary and, and I was listening just with just deep interest. And at one point I sat back in the seat and I said, Debbie, do you know something? If we could combine what you're learning at your seminary program with what I know makes recovery so impactful, we'd really be onto something. Come it on. Was, yeah. It was a complete throwaway line. I just threw it out there, just threw it out there. Fast forward now, I'm in Dallas, and I I can tell you that life with God is brilliant because I had nothing to do with it, right? So I love that. I don't. It's like it as an adoptive mom. I can brag on my kids because they didn't – I'm not bragging on myself, right? So it's kind of like that. And I, I – but I was the put it together for the beta test admin person. So I'm compiling all of this stuff, and I'm reading it as I'm doing it. And at the time, I officed at Debbie's house. So – I'm in the, and there's an office there, but I was officing there and I, I, I just had this epiphany and I picked up the book and I walked into her office, which was the couch at the end of her bed. But I walked into her office and I said, Debbie, it's happening. And she was confused. She said, wait, what are you talking about? And I said, do you remember that lunch at the office where I said these things? And she said, no. I said, well, this is it. And so what initially excited me was I had had lived with a longing for decades that God would create a space for people that feel marginalized in the church, but that then end up in recovery and get just have this amazing experience. And everybody in the church who would watch me in recovery and want to be part of that, but they didn't relate, actually have a place to be together. And so initially I thought life with God is it, man. It is going to be a bridge builder. It's, it's, and it's amazing. It's, it's, it's safe groups. It's inviting honesty and it's all the components that I knew were powerful from recovery. So that was what initially excited me. Um, but it's continued to be more than that. God has taken that seed of excitement and shown me that he had much bigger plans than even that. So. Done more than I could have imagined. Yeah. And uh, along the 
the way you became uh, you became one of the primary trainers of life with god mm-hmm. there are others who who we've trained up to be trainers but you take on quite a bit um and i think quite a bit more even before covid right and so mm-hmm. after covid we've been getting back into training what uh tell us we've already heard a little about the training experience what more would you like to share about the training for leaders well i think what i love about it is um not everyone, but a lot of the people that go through training, they come with, um, they come with something they may not even be able to articulate. Like they, there's this thing they want to be part of that they can't even name, but that they know is something they want to join themselves to. And then as they go through training and we begin to explain to them what's going on behind the curtain, it all starts like you can almost see the light bulbs go off and they're like, that's it. You've just given me language for what has happened in the past and what I've I'm longing for in the future. And, and sort of like the, the pebbles on the road that now I know how to practically get there. And so, um, yeah, training is, I would say you learn some things, but it's not primarily a skills based training. Mm -hmm. It's more of a training about, um, how can you shepherd the space so you can let God do do God and you just you just <laughs> are there to protect the space so that mm. it, it people can remain honest and open to one another and to God and and, and mm-hmm. themselves, frankly. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I went through training. Phyllis, you, you went through training in the spring, is that right? Of 2022, summer? Okay. I went through training at the same time. Um <clears throat> With Carol Ann as our leader, uh, I remember one of the people in the training uh, kept saying at, at the beginning of each week, yeah, I think maybe maybe the more I learn about this, the more I think I should go through it first, you know. And I, I loved, uh, Carol Ann, your, the way you held that so mm-hmm. loosely, the way you really entrusted even that kind of a decision to God and to mm-hmm. the Spirit's work in, in that particular trainee's life. Um, that draws me to a key component of training that continually uh, we heard was pray, pray, and pray. Pray before you have your gathering, pray during, and especially after, pray. Give this to God. Let God do the, like, let God be God. Let God do God. I like how you said that. Um, this is not a typical, you know, small group experience. This is this is really, we have to undo the expectation in leaders that this is all about how much you know. <laughs> Do you have the right answers? It really does come down to, are you able to help create the space and then pray and partner with God in what, mm-hmm. whatever is going to happen uh, in our times together? So you've, you've not only trained a lot, you've led quite a few um, mm-hmm groups through this. I think mm-hmm. you've completed all six semesters and you've done several groups. Uh, what's the experience like for you? Like, uh, are, is it always different? Like every time you've gone through semester one with a different group, have you, uh, have you noticed like, well, this is totally a different experience than, you know, the last time I went through this or like, wh- what are some of the similarities mm-hmm. differences? Mm-hmm. What can people expect? Okay. Well, first I want to, I want to um, add a little nugget that just happened yesterday. 
the person that you just mentioned that was reticent said that she just, mm-hmm. I just shipped her five semester one books. <laughs> okay. So she's going for it. She's going for it. Yay. She, well, she Good. went through, do you love me? And I think that helped mm-hmm. her. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think the answer to your question is that, um, every single group is different mm-hmm. and every mm-hmm. single semester with every single group is different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason is, is that we're, it's not about the material. It's yeah. about where the people are. Mm-hmm. And so this is why we have people go through, even myself, go through semesters multiple times. And we experience the semester differently because we're in mm-hmm. a different place and God's dealing mm-hmm. with something different within us. Yeah. So when you're when you're like as a leader, not trying to force something to happen because week three of semester one says it's supposed to, you you're praying, you're waiting, you're patient. This is all formational work in you as the leader. There's no, there is no set of rule books that I can hand anybody that says in semester yeah. one, expect this. In semester mm-hmm. two, expect mm-hmm. this. Because it, every group is different. Mm-hmm. So Jan, Phyllis, myself, we all went through the same format of training. Five weeks. Uh, five weeks of one meeting a week for two hours at a time. Uh, online. Why don't you let us um, know... Uh, where we might be headed as Grafted Life in terms of offering other forms of training? Um, well, um, we have we are going to, Lord willing, um, run a beta test in the in the early spring, and it's going to be um, that it'll I mean, it'll contain all the same components of our current five week online training, but it'll be a day and a half to two days in person. So it'll be more, um, there's several ways we can do it. It can be in a retreat format or just daytime where we reconvene every day. But um, we think that will be a really great option for churches. And so that's what we're in the process of working on now. And actually, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, me too. Yeah, we we have a lot of work that happens in between, you know, the weeks of, of the training. So there, there is a lot of work. And so the question is, we don't want to dilute the process of, of, of working through all the, the training. So we figured out how to maybe do a, a front end, like before you come to the day one, session one, there's some work involved. And then there'll be some posts training work as well. Um, so we're, we're, we're wanting to make sure we have all the components of great training, but I love the idea of, of really having the opportunity to do this relational training in the context of a relationship building retreat, for example, you know, so we're just excited about where God's going to take this training. That's one of the things bringing me a lot of joy. And I'm, I'm excited, Caroline, that you're excited about that too. But, you know, this theme of joy just came surfacing up for me in preparation for our conversation. And I'd just like to hear from, from you, Jan, and then Phyllis, and then Caroline last. Um, you know, what, what's the source of joy for you as you think about uh, the relationships that are, are forming through life with God and, and, and where it's heading? And, you know, where, where are you, how are you experiencing joy right now as you're, you're you're preparing for Christmas and thinking about life with God in the next year. Uh, I, I finding joy in seeing transformation that uh, some of it is just my discernment. There's no words to it yet or actions to it, but 
the joy of people uh, changing and growing and transforming from the inside out, not just some kind of behavior modification, trying harder program. Love that. Yeah. Amen. Phyllis, how about you? So I think one of the things to uh, being committed to in leading this kind of study is that you are going to go all in and Mm -hmm. you are going to learn and there will be transformation in your life as a leader. And um, and that's just, that's a wonderful thing. Maybe not fun for us sevens, but, um, and maybe painful, but I, I did find a lot of joy in, in, uh, and, and I see this when we're doing work with nurses as well, that, those either joyful stories or deeply sad stories um, that are still ruminating in there and, and you know, the, the desire to grow closer to God, the, the wounds that they haven't dealt with, when there is a space that a leader can offer and, and, and encourage those stories and then have listeners uh, that know how to listen well. Um, it's, it's, it's very joyful to me. Mm. It's mm, just, uh, it's transformation as Jan says, but, and you have a front row seat. Oh yeah. Buckle yeah, up. Just because it's good. <laughs> <laughs> Carol Ann, how about you? Yeah, I think, um, Hmm. It would be what I think historically leaders, um, feel when I talk to leaders and they say, Oh yeah, the, when someone's cranky in the group, that's like the worst. And in training, being able to explain to them that resi- that's just resistance and that's actually a good thing. And seeing leaders like take a big breath and realize it's okay, but it's also just more fun to watch the resistance in the people that you lead and watch what God does with that. You know, we can't change without it. And so just realizing there's something coming. There's something coming. There's something good going on. And then watching that break loose. And that to me is the most fun is just, Mm -hmm. if I can get myself out of the way and Mm -hmm. let it be, it is, it is incredible because that is confirmation to me that Mm -hmm. God is at work. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. 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 Jan, thank you. For joining our conversation. Thank you for nurturing a friendship with Phyllis and following God's lead and like when to offer life with God and who to bring into it and that you would bring Phyllis, your friend, into this uh, opportunity for life with God was was an incredible joy for us to witness. And then to hear how Phyllis, you have uh, found a way to, to consider how this might be a resource for you and your community and your context of ministry. Uh, that's incredibly joyful for me. So thank you both. Jan, would you mind closing our time in prayer? Sure. Father God, thank you for joy that is possible in the um, spirit of community and because of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the joy of this season of you coming to earth and being God with us. Thank you for the tool of life with God. Thank you for grafted life. And I pray, Father, that you would bless 
the people serving and you would bless the ministry exceedingly and abundantly more than they could ask or imagine. And I ask all this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I have joy because I know I'm going to get to see you all in person in January at the ESDA gathering. And uh, if I understand joy correctly, it's when you walk into a room and there are people who are happy to see you. (laughs) And I am going to be happy to see you. And I can walk this year. Oh, and yay. you can walk. So you're walking, <laughs> so not I hobbling. So I am walking into the room. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you very much. Blessings. Thank you once again for listening to the Grafted Life podcast. I'd like to make one point of clarification. Our Life with God study can be used with men's groups, women's groups, mixed groups, with singles or couples, with parents and grandparents, with college students and retirees, We think the sky's the limit. So however you're planning to build stronger community, we would love to walk alongside you and help you form those richer, deeper relational connections with God and with each other. We certainly want to build stronger relationships with you. So from our team at Grafted Life Ministries and DSDA, we want to wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. May your roots grow down deep into the love of God. Until next time, grace and peace.